You can take someone that has the life experience. Um, when you read on a job description, it says X number of years experience and or education. So if someone has the experience, but not the master's degree, do we automatically disqualify them for the role? No. From the University of Alabama's Colorado's College of Business, it's BAM Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories from those people who both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, and I show today, Takesha Smith. Takesha is a Chief Administrative Officer of Global Diversity and Talent Management for Citigroup and was back in town for the Women in Business Conference. She sat down with us to talk about her own journey, as well as what she hopes to see in the future of Alabama. I'd like to start off with why are you back in town? Obviously, you're from New York City right now, correct? I Yes, I live in New York City. I've been there for almost 14 years. Uh, I Why am I back? Uh, I love the University of Alabama. I love Tuscaloosa this time of the year. It's spring. When I left uh, New York yesterday, it was about 36 degrees. It was dark. It was rainy. I got here 9.30, we landed in Birmingham. Blue skies, probably about 57, 58 degrees. By the end of the day, it was 70 degrees, so why not? But more specifically, um, so the Women in Business Conference is having its um, first here, um, and I wanted to be a part of it. It's always something to be a part of the first um, because then you get to benchmark it and see what's going to happen in the years to come because it's only going to get better. Um, so when I had an opportunity to come down, take a couple of days off from work and just really be able to take it in, um, I said, why not? So that's why I'm here. Oh, I think it's great to have you back on campus and talking to a few classes today, maybe. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. That I don't think that's on the itinerary. Who knows? I mean, yesterday it was a whirlwind. I I caught up with a few people that I, I haven't seen since last August. Um, and but I am gonna do some networking today, uh, especially with um the students who are participating in the conference. Um, the thing that really gets me going and keeps me coming back here is the opportunity to network with the students, obviously keep the relationships with the faculty and staff, but the students, that's the key for me. Um, you know, I was a student here at the university. I won't say how long ago, but, um, you know, I remember the exposure to execs from the various corp corporations that I was either eyeing to be a part of or just wanting to be in the room with. And um, I'm not saying I'm that type of person, but I, I do want to give students the opportunity to ask questions of me about my career. What what am I doing today? What do I want to do? What do I not want to do? So that's that's what I'm looking forward to today is just connecting with the um, the students and being my authentic self. Now talking about where you came from and coming to the university yourself, could you talk a little bit about that experience for yourself and how you ended up at Alabama? Uh, so I applied to five schools um, and I, I got accepted into all five. Uh, but it was one of those things where when I was here at Alabama, 
Um, it was during a time where we were transitioning from that 93 championship in football. So I just told you how old I am, basically. But um, it was a great time to be uh, at the university. But also the business school uh, is one of the best state business schools out there. And when it came down to making the decision, I wanted to be among the best. And I thought that the University of Alabama, at that time, Culverhouse College of Commerce and Business Administration, um, I thought that that was the best opportunity for me and um, can't say that I was wrong. That was amazing. And after graduation, you move on to work with AmSouth Bank, correct? Uh, after graduation, I actually went to Florida for a couple of years. So. Um, my resume, it kind of starts now with the 18 years that I've spent in banking. But before then, I actually had a couple of years where I was a systems analyst for Publix. Uh, so the grocery chain that did not exist in Alabama, but now is heavily you know, populated here. Um, I, I moved to Lakeland, Florida, and that's where they're headquartered. And so I was a systems analyst uh, in their HR space, which now I've come full circle. Um, so I spent two years there, and then I decided to go to grad school. And after grad school, I got into banking. So I started at AmSouth, which is now a part of Regions Financial. Um, and I started as a project manager in their AML operations space. Now, why would you choose to get into banking? I know it's a, it's a very in-depth sector. There's a lot of history to it, but there's a lot of attraction to more financial people. And from what we've talked about, you're a very people person. Isn't that correct? Uh in some ways, yes. Uh, in some ways, I am very introverted. But why did I get into banking? I'm going to be fully transparent. I needed a job. I called my aunt. She called a friend. And go. that's how I got into banking. There you go. So you move on uh, from AmSouth to eventually work for Bank of America. You move mm -hmm. up that ladder. You keep moving on. Eventually, you end up at Citigroup. Mm -hmm. Could you talk about your experience there and sort of where you started and where you're at now? Sure. So um, I've been at City now for eight years and a few months. And I started um, in our project strategy office as a program manager, um, working in compliance for two of our consent order uh, programs. Uh, and I, I did that for about a year and a half. And my primary stakeholder at the time uh, wanted to get me out of the project strategy office and onto her team. And so she poached me in a sense. And I think it was July of 2015, I moved into our AML transaction monitoring space and I managed the program that I was the program manager for. So I became the stakeholder. And I did that for a couple of years. And then we had a transition of sorts. Um, our head of AML monitoring, he retired and we got a new global head and he came in from the federal government. And so outsider coming into city and we were going through a transformation of sorts because also there were three internal functions that were now being um, in integrated into our space. and. Um, he, he put me over, uh, helping him oversee the integration. And after that was over, he said, all right, so now we need to start talking about, we've got all of these people. What are we going to do with them? How are we going to organize the 
um, how are we going to design our organization? And he said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell me what you want to do. And most of the times I would tend to back away from saying what I want to do in fear that it was not aligned with what my manager wanted. But um, I remember the words of uh, one of my mentors that said, you're never going to get to where you want to be if you're afraid to ask. And so I told him, I said, I'm going to put together five bullets that will create a chief of staff role. At the time, we did not have chiefs of staffs uh, in the AML function. And he said, okay, let's talk about it. And so I put them together and he looked, he said, I like this. I probably can't give you the chief of staff title, but in theory, that's what you're going to do. So if you, if you look at my CV, there's a uh, about, I don't know, four or five years spent where um, I think it's labeled uh, global head of program management for AML monitoring risk management. That was a really swanky way of saying chief of staff to the global head of AMRM. And um, so I did that and I found that I loved being in that operational side, uh, the program management side. Uh, as I tell people now, keeping the lights on. Uh, there are obviously special uh, programs and initiatives that you do um, as a, a senior trusted advisor uh, to your, your global head. And um, so I did that for about four and a half years, uh, left that role and took a promotion and went into our uh, office of the CAO for City. And I started working on yet another transformation program. And um, I did that for about six months. And then they moved me into another space uh, within the organization, uh, our global business risk and controls space. And I, again, put on the hat of chief of staff. I did that on an interim basis for about eight months. And then I had an opportunity to get to where I am today, which is the chief administrative officer for global diversity and talent management, which is a function within HR. Now, when we talk about diversity, I think this is a very modern subject to actually talk about. Uh, I myself uh, went to a couple of conferences in high school about that, making sure I was at least aware of what where people were coming from. And I think it opened my eyes a lot, especially coming to Alabama. I think there was a lot of opportunities to get to talk to a lot of people from very diverse backgrounds. Could you talk about how your life leading to it allowed you to succeed at this role and why you think it makes you set apart from everyone else? Wow, that's a, that's an interesting question. Well, I mean, obviously, as a, a, a Black woman, um, I've obviously been in that, that diverse space, um, you know, and working in financial services, it is a very... Uh, male-dominated uh, industry. And so when you think about it, my career, I have always been a part of diversity and how how we become inclusive, um, you know, how one of the big phrases now is pay equity. And um, so I've, al I've always been a part of the diversity space just through my personal life, um, but also my professional career. Um, but more specifically now, uh, being a part of our organization that is responsible for um, meeting our, our representation goals, uh, trying to get, uh, you know, equal uh, gender 
Uh, so the equal number of men in leadership positions, women in leadership positions, uh, people of color. Um, also, you know, you look at the intersectionalities, uh, you know, making sure that we have representation uh, across the LGBTQ plus space, um, across um, our disability space. Uh, we have a, a huge um, group, our city women. Um, so it's one of those things where I'm now working in the area that's responsible for those DEI initiatives and being able to position city to say that we are a diverse employee of choice, employer of choice. This question uh, can be taken a lot of different ways. And it's one I like asking teachers uh, just during class. And obviously I'm a talker in class, so I have to just poke their brains a little bit. Uh, but it's why, just like once a board, why? Why should someone in college worry and make themselves more aware of diversity in their own lives and how it affects them in their professional manner? Why? Because the world does not just look like you. It doesn't sound like you. It doesn't think like you. There are so many different faucets of our personal lives and how they intersect with our professional lives. So why would you want to be surrounded by people that are just like you? Why? That's a great answer to it. A lot of people will talk about the disparity of education and how education is provided sort of an upper lubricant to a lot of different opportunities for people. If you have a degree, you're gonna open a lot more doors in their professional world. If you actually have a master's, for example, you're gonna be considered for maybe more upper management positions. Where do you think education fits into diversity of companies and making sure everyone has the same opportunities as others? Wow, so that's a tough one. Um, because we're we're in a we're in a moment where people will tell you that sometimes it's not about the degree, it's about the trade. Um, I think that it's a hybrid of that. Um, the space that I'm in, I can tell you that um, for our our AVP type roles, yes, uh, one of the qualifications is that you do have. Um, an undergraduate degree from a university. Uh, but does that make you any better than the person who does not? Um, I don't think so because they have a different set of experiences that they bring to the table um, and you have a different set and it's how you get to integrate those two. Um, so I, I would say that yes, uh, having the, the education uh, is is foundational for some aspects, but at the same time, you can take someone that has the life experience. Um, when you read on a job description, it says X number of years experience and or education. So if someone has the experience, but not the master's degree, do we automatically disqualify them for the role? No. This is a great point. I think there's definitely a reckoning that's happening in the past couple of years is that well, you might have the degree, you might not actually have the capabilities to execute that role properly and the best function possible. And so that sort of leads us back to the point of coming back to campus. Obviously, you're here for uh, the first ever conference uh, for women in business. I think that's something that's amazing. I've known 
a lot of people, a lot of women, especially at the University of Alabama, who are high achieving, I'd just say are some of our best leaders on campus. How do you think this campus, this conference is going to affect how they go into the real world? But also, what do you hope to get out of this conference coming here for the first one ever? Let me start with the latter. What do I want to get out of it? I want to get out of it new relationships with students. Um, I want to position myself to let the students know that I am a tool. I am an asset. I am an ally. I am someone that they can come to. Um, that's, that's part of my remit in giving back. Those who have gotten me to the position that I'm in, I'm now responsible for helping those, the future leaders. It's my responsibility to make myself available to them. So that's what I'm looking to get out of this is having to extend my network to the students who are participating in this conference, but not just the students, uh, the panelists that are gonna be there. These, these are people that are known in their respective industries and why not be able to tap into that get a little bit more knowledge about them as a person and their profession and see how that works with me and how I can use them and how they can use me. So that's what I'm looking to get out of it. And what was the first question? Just about like what impact do you hope it has on the future generations of women in business? Oh, It's one of those things where I hope that the participants in this conference they get to see the women executives that exist today, and it shows them that they can be in that position three, four years down the road. Um, I want I want to be a part of this this reckoning where you're flipping the percentages and all of these male dominated. I'm sorry, but all the male-dominated industries that are out there, I, I want to see where there's equality now, where you have equal representation of women, equal representation of people of color. Uh, that's that's what I want to, you know, see be the springboard from this. And with the the panelists that are assembled for this conference, I think that the students. And even those who are not students, those that are professionals, uh, that they get to see that there are so many different opportunities for women in business. Going back to your own personal journey, uh, looking back at your time in college, a lot of people think, man, I wish I did this one thing. I, I wish I did this or I, I really I had that opportunity. I just never took it. Is there one piece of advice you give yourself in college to any students that are listening now? Uh, something I live by today, have no regrets. So everything that I did in college, um, were they the best choices at the time? Probably not. But they, those, those choices that I made, they are a part of who I am. Um, so it's, it might be regretful at the time, but look at the end game. So um, my, my piece of advice is uh, live with no regrets. Even if it doesn't seem to be the best outcome in the here, think about what it's going to be in the future. Now, a, a lot of people love uh, certain cities. They grew up somewhere. They have connection through family, maybe through work. We had a little bit of a conversation before this about Boston. 
uh, about uh, some major days in your year when you're looking at your calendar. Could you talk about uh, those three days by any chance to wrap up this conversation? Yeah. So actually, uh, there are three periods in the year that I look forward to. One is coming up. Uh, huge Major League Baseball fan. Go Red Sox. And uh, so opening weekend, that is when you are not to disturb me. Um, I'm a little on the fence about this year. Uh, we just came out of 96, 97 day lockout. And um, luckily, both sides have been able to agree the season is now going to go on. We're going to have baseball. But, um, you know, thinking about my my grandpa, thinking about uh, the generations before my grandpa and how they were always, if they lock out, I'm never going to be a fan again. Um, I'm not of that position just yet, but I'm also not fully committed to being in seat game one. Um, now, by the time the 14th get here, I am going to be in Fenway. But, um, you know, that's that's event number one. Uh, event number two takes place in August. So one of the things that I always look forward to is coming back to uh, Manderson for their MBA launch. And they have uh, the Speaker's Edge, uh, which is uh, the case study competition. And I love coming back and just seeing the fresh faces of the new uh, traditional MBA uh, path, the STEM uh, path, and just the, oh my gosh, the students, I could not have been in their position uh, when I was here and be able to excel day one. Uh, so looking at the case competition, being able to uh, participate as a judge, uh, that is already on the calendar for this August. So um, I will be back in the throes of summer here. And uh, then the next one is the start of football season, both college and professional. Um, obviously, I'm sitting here at the University of Alabama, so I don't have to tell you who my college team is. Yeah, roll Tide. Uh, roll Tide. But also, you know, the following weekend, you have the start of uh, the NFL season and um, Mac Jones, go Pats. So, um, you know, those are the three periods of time where I look forward to and I put on the do not disturb sign. That's Takesha Smith, Chief Administrative Officer of Global Diversity and Talent Management for Citigroup. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at callforhouse.ua.edu to learn more about the Colorado College of Business and what it has to offer. And as always, roll tide.